Good morning, good news. Will you please rise with me for the reading of the word? So today we'll be reading from Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 36. As the crowd pressed in on Jesus, he said, This evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. What happened to him was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God had sent him. What happens to the Son of Man will be a sign to these people that he was sent by God. The Queen of Sheba will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For she came, from, she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here. But you refuse to listen. The people of Nineveh will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is bad, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Father, I pray that you would just you would bless this service, that you'd bless each and every person in here, Lord, and that you would speak today. Father God, I pray that you would you would shut Pastor Drew's flesh up, Lord, and that we would that he would just speak what you're saying, Lord. Jesus, I pray that you give each and every one of us new revelation and new life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Come on, Dylan. You killed it. He's one of our... Uh, give him a hand. Dylan's one of our junior high leaders in Emanate, and we got a whole bunch of people that are serving uh, in Emanate, young and older, and in all helping to change eternity through discipleship, community, and love. And uh, so if you see someone who's serving with the youth, give them a high five. Uh, they're killing it. They're giving their lives to these students. But uh, hey, I'm, I'm Pastor Drew. I'm the youth pastor here. And uh, I'm so excited to preach from this passage because it's so easy, right? It's so obvious what it's talking about that we're just going to jump right into the altar because, guys, right? Jonah and Queen of Sheba just makes a lot of sense, okay? Uh, no, I hope that, I hope I'm not the only one in the room that the first time, like, as, as I was reading through this, uh, I, I was like, okay, uh, all right, I might as well have been in the original language, like, I'm, I'm confused. And uh, th- that's, but Jesus is, he, he's going in a lot of different areas. He starts out with talking about a sign. And uh, then he jumps back 750 years and starts talking about Jonah. And then in the middle of that, he jumps over 200 years further and, and talks about the Queen of Sheba. And now then he goes back to Jonah. And then he gives a illustration about how your light is, is like, a, like a light bulb. And it like... It, 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 so it's weird, right? It's kind of a confusing passage. And uh, needless to say, this is, th- this is a passage that involves 
history, it involves prophecy, it involves illustration, and a whole lot of context that we got to dive in and dig through. And so we're going to do a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that this morning, if that's all right. Uh, but the best way, best way to lay this out, honestly, is so it, two parts of the passage. First part is the sign of Jonah. The second part is the illustration of the light. And the light is, it's, it's an illustration of the first part, first part of the passage. And so because it explains it, I'm actually, we're going to flip-flop it today. And uh, we're going to talk about the light first because it kind of explains then the sign of Jonah and, and what's going on there. Uh, but just to give you a little context of what's going on. So Jesus is with his disciples and he's walking toward Jerusalem. And a lot of the stuff we've been talking about for the past couple weeks has been uh, in, in, on Jesus' walk and on the road to Jerusalem. He's getting ready for the triumphal entry and uh, the, the week of passion. But he's got a long road and a lot of stuff is going Going on, and right now there's a crowd around him, and uh, they, he is. In, in a lot of these people are actually skeptics, and many of these are Pharisees, and they're questioning him and they're challenging him, and, and constantly bombarding him with 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 questions and and, uh, and 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 trying to actually what they're doing is they're trying to find ways to twist his words, trying to catch him in something because they're literally trying to plot. How to kill Jesus. Not just how to like refute his message. They are trying to kill Jesus. And they need a way to be able to get to this so that they can legally do it. And if he says like, uh, if they can catch him in a couple of these like sticks and he's like, okay, I'm going to catch you here. This is it. I'm going to get you. And then we're going to be able, and, and, and that's their goal. And so an incredibly broken, wrong heart that they have in this uh, but in, in that's who Jesus is approaching with this. That's who Jesus is talking to in this passage. And uh, that, that's why I want to start with the, the lamp of the body. Uh, and, and so in verse 34, it says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. What this, what this does, it, it shows this weird Greek understanding of the time of how your eye worked. And so what they would do, they'd walk into a dark room, they'd light a lamp, and they could see because of it. And so because the, there was light in the room, they could see. So their understanding is that there must be a light inside of our eyes so that we can see. And so that's, that's biologically what they assumed about that, that, your, that your eyes literally you had emitted, emanated... Come on, there you go. Would 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 emanate light both outward and inward, and so it's this weird biological understanding that 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 they had, and Jesus uses that to actually speak to them and to speak to them where they're at. at and uh, so, if if you have this understanding that you need a light in your eyes, then someone who is blind isn't. It's not about a neurological connection between the eyes and the brain or something like that. Their understanding is that your eye is actually filled with darkness. That's what they understand. And so that's why Jesus says in verse 35, he says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. He's saying, Pharisees, you think you can see, you think you have a light in your eyes, but you are blind. You can't see. You can't see this. And, and, and Helen Keller says the, the worst thing of all would be to have, to, 
to have sight but have no vision. And, and, and this, is, this is that problem of, of you, you think you can see what's going on, but you have no clue. You are missing what is right in front of you. You are missing what is directly in front of you, Pharisees. And, and, and that is, that's the problem. They, the light that they are seeing things with is not the light. It's darkness. It is a light of criticism. It's a light of skepticism. It's a light of bitterness and judgment. And, and, and so because of this, the Son of God is standing before them with all the wisdom they could ever ask for, all, anything that they could ever need, and all they're doing is attacking. Because they have this, this blindness. They can't see what's right in front of them. And that's what we do so many times when, when, it, it, when you approach someone... And or they talk to you and you have in you go, man, I think I know your motive. I think I know your heart. You know, what? I just don't. I remember what you said to me. I remember what you did. I remember how you didn't show up. I remember how what you did to this person over here. Not not even me. And, and so we we look at them and we see them and we view the conversation in light of criticism. And the, the problem with that is, is then we are blinded and we miss the opportunity to actually discover them. To discover a little bit more about, uh, about ourselves. To have the light shine in us. And to discover God. We miss these opportunities because we see things with, with, with a light of criticism. And this is actually, uh, with the history, it's, it looks to be, this is the root of the phrase, see things in it, to see something in a different light. And so when you see something, it, it's Jesus is saying, I want you to see, you think you see with the light that you have, but you're blind. You're missing what's directly in front of you. Church, I don't want us to miss what is directly in front of us. And right now, we have, you're going to have an opportunity today uh, at the end of the service to respond to what is directly in front of you. We just finished an opportunity during worship. And, 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 and I hope that none of you missed what was directly in front of you. That you approached with, with a humble heart and you're going, man, God is here. The thing we love about Good News Church is God, we, you can always come and always know that the presence of the Lord is going to be here. And do not miss what is standing directly in front of you. Do not miss this opportunity when you are standing before God. And so this is the problem the Pharisees were having. And we see this in verses 15 and 16, a little bit earlier in the passage, where Jesus just cast a demon out of a man. And uh, he says... Uh, and, and, and then some of them said to him, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. While others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. And so this shows at the beginning of the passage when Jesus says, uh, this evil generation keeps asking me for a sign. It, it's not like this moment of weakness where they're like, man, we're just really questioning, are you the Messiah? People are saying, and I don't know. It's not this like humble moment. John the Baptist had that. If you remember Pastor Walt preaching a couple months ago about John the Baptist going, are you who, 
who we've been looking for? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus responds with, with, with a, a word and say, look at what's happening. Yes, you're seeing what's happening. And the blind eyes are being... And, and, but these, these people... So just picture this situation. This is not a humble, pure-hearted situation. Because let, let's, let's all like gather... There's crowds. And so we are the crowd gathering around Jesus, okay? Put yourselves in, uh, in, in 2,000 years ago. And we're hanging out and we're following Jesus... And uh, suddenly, suddenly a demon-possessed man walks up and he is like speaking in a creepy voice and like weird things are happening. And we're all going, okay, that's like, and, and Jesus says, whoa, chill, get out of him. And, and the demon like, ah, like, I'm, you know, demons are dramatic. They're weird. And so, uh, and, and so like the, the demon comes out, the man like stands up, he's in his right mind suddenly. And it's like, I'd be... Whoa! Look at this! Holy smokes! I can't believe I just saw that! Like, that's nuts, right? And you'd be like, your mind would be, you'd be like, you'd be freaking out, right? And then the person beside you says, prove to us your authority. (laughs) Bro, I think you missed it. Like, did you just, did you just see what I just saw? Like, why are you asking this? So they're asking like, okay, that was fine and all and cool and all, but show us something really good. Show us something. And that's what, that's what they're saying. And so it's coming from this heart of like, of, of criticism. And, and you see how blind they are to what's going on directly in front of them. And, and so this is, they, they're seeking for a sign. And, and Jesus says, look. I'm not going to give you a sign except for the sign of Jonah. And what's what's going on here, if you know the story of Jonah, it's very different than the story that I remember growing up with in in kids' church. And we have an amazing kids' ministry here. And and, and so I'm sure they explain Jonah a lot better than what I learned. But I remember as a kid thinking Jonah was like this prophet who like heard from God and he's like, Oh, I don't know. And so he gets on a boat and goes the opposite direction. And God's like, Jonah, God's like, Oh, you caught me. Dang it. Okay. How do I get to Nineveh? And God's like, shortcut fish. You're going down into the ocean and I'm going to take you over to Nineveh. Right. And Jonah's like, thank you, God, you rock. And, uh, no, that's not, that, that's not what happens at all. In fact, Jonah is like, He's, he's, he's kind of a jerk and he has some serious character flaws where he is, uh, he, he obviously he's running away from God. He's got this selfishness problem. He's got this, this rebellion issue. He's got this ignorance issue, but he also is a racist. He is this, this, this terrible racist where he's going, uh, no God, anybody, but those people, not the Ninevites because they're. They're Gentiles and Gentiles, it, it's, there's this elitist view of like, I am a Jew. I am a, I, I am of the nation of God and I am great. And all the Gen, a Gentile is just a non-Jew. Anybody else, everybody else who's not a Jew, you're all lame and you're not worth my time and you're not. And, and that's this, that's this view that he's coming from. And so he has this incredibly racist perspective that he's coming from. In fact, so much so that Multiple times he tells God, 
God, I, I, I would rather die than see the Ninevites find your grace. Oh my goodness. Like this guy has some serious problems going on in his heart. Has some serious issues that he's wrestling with. And so why in the world would Jesus compare himself to Jonah? Right? Like there's the only comparisons I can see, the only similarities I see are that like they're both guys and neither one of them connected to Wi-Fi ever. Like <laughs> that's about all I see. Right? But no, there's, there's a couple different parallels that Jesus is making here. The first one is that Jonah was given a message of salvation for the Gentiles. And at the beginning of the book of Luke, it, it talks about how Jesus is a light to both the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's changing perspective that the Jews are the elite. No, those who follow Jesus are those who are, are, those who are in the family of God. And, uh, and so this is bo- both a message of salvation to the Gentiles and uh, Matthew's gospel tells the same story about Jesus and lays it out a little bit better of this, similar- this next similarity. In, in Matthew twelve forty. it says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. You see this? See this comparison, and what's interesting is the the understanding at the time of your soul is that when you died, it took three days for your soul to go from the land of the living down to Sheol, the land of the the, the, the land of the dead, and it took three days for your soul to go down there. And so Jonah is, experiences this, and there's a lot of different like theologies and ideas behind this this story of Jonah but but so we don't know if Jonah actually died if 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 he was like all this is very literal and and he died or at the very least what happened we know that at the very least there is symbolism that Jonah is representing this traveling down to Sheol, down to death and then coming back up and being spat out on land in in life and Jesus says you want a sign Here's the sign. I'm going to do the, I'm going to do what Jonah did, but I'm going to do it better because I literally am going to die. I literally am going to go down to Sheol and I literally am going to bring victory up out of it and step out of the tomb in life. Isn't that awesome? Come on. And so Jesus is making this comparison to Jonah, and then he makes the very natural transition from talking about Jonah to talking about the queen of Sheba. Okay, you guys see that? No, obviously. And so, uh, why, why in the world Jonah and the queen of Sheba? Why in the world? And, and you, you see, there, there's two different things. What the queen of Sheba did is, uh, in King Solomon, he's king, and he's the wisest man ever to live. And the queen of Sheba lives hundreds of miles away on the other side of like this, this known world. And, and she hears about Solomon, and she goes, I am going to discover this wisdom. She goes, she pursues him, she finds him, she asks him questions, she discovers this wisdom, and then they exchange all these gifts, and it's like, yeah! yeah, this is awesome. And they high five each other and then they leave. And, uh, that, and so it represents these two different 
relatively obscure stories that actually show Jonah as the light going to the Ninevites, going to the Gentiles, and then the Queen of Sheba as the Gentiles being drawn toward the light and being drawn towards God. And so it's these two similarities of, of, of both living out and, and living a life that's worth coming to and for people that, that attracts people. And, uh, and, and so the Queen of Sheba, in, in uh, verse 31, this is what Jesus says. He says, The Queen of Sheba will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now, someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. But you refuse to listen. What Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about pursuit. He's talking about going after God. He's saying, look, do you see the way that the queen of Sheba pursued Solomon and his wisdom and how honorable and how, and, and how great she did that? Yet, look, right now, right before you is standing the son of God and you can't receive squat from him because you're blind. You're not looking at him with the right light. You're looking in with the wrong heart. And, and so he's, he's saying... Guys, you need to increase your pursuit of me. Jesus is worthy of all pursuit of everything that we could give. And these Pharisees are not seeing it. They're not giving it. And I believe that we need to pursue Jesus according to what he's worthy. Amen? And, and, and so this is, this is the problem because the Pharisees are blinded because they, they don't value Jesus. They don't value what he has. They don't understand the incredible, eternal, and, and, and value for their life that Jesus is holding right before them. And you pursue what you value. Everybody pursues something. Everybody pursues something, and you pursue what you value, whether it is your job and in advancement there, whether it is a relationship, whether it is fulfillment, and just going, man, I, I, need, to, I need to find fulfillment in this. I need to find fulfillment. What, what You pursue what you value. What are you valuing? What are you pursuing? And, and as, I, as, I, as I think about pursuit, I think about... Uh, one of the times when I had to pursue and give at all that I had into, into something. And uh, I was fresh out of high school. And uh, I, I came across this young lady. And, uh, and she was a good-looking girl. And she loved the Lord with all her heart. And uh, her name was Morgan. And, uh, and she... And, and she is, that's, that's my wife, by the way, but uh, I'm, I'm and, and I find out while we are both youth sponsors on this trip going to a big youth conference, I find out that she is single and on the market. <laughs> and so the value of this relationship suddenly skyrocketed and I started pursuing what I valued. You know what I'm saying? And so... 
And so I, I would drop the worst pickup lines of all time. I would like, oh, and, but, but one of the times when I think about the, this pursuit, uh, we're in this huge auditorium. There's 10,000 students in this auditorium. And I go to my youth pastor and I'm like, hey, I got another, another youth leader friend who I want to go sit by. Uh, can I meet you guys here after? He's like, all right, see ya. And so I was on a mission to find in this 10,000 person stadium, this four foot 11 girl. <laughs> and dear Lord, man, I mean, it would have been so much easier if she was six foot five. Like, oh, there, there she is. Like in the department store, I, I, I turn around and she's gone because the clothes racks are taller than she is. And so, babe. And I, I think someone's stolen her. Just like, whoosh. and and so this is the problem. And, and so I'm trying to look around. I'm on the floor level and, and I'm looking up and where is that? Where is this girl? And, and finally, I find her on the floor level right as worship is about to start. And, uh, and, and it was one of our first worship times just receiving together in worship. And it actually became a trend for our entire relationship of worshiping together and how God has moved in us in that. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I saw... I valued and I pursued, right? Everybody has their pursuits. Everybody has something. But what Jesus is saying is, I don't care what you are pursuing right now. I am more worthy of your pursuits. Jesus is more worthy of your pursuit. Jesus is worthy of a greater pursuit, of a stronger pursuit, of a more sold out pursuit of him. And I believe he's calling to us as a church to a greater pursuit of him. How are you going to respond? How are you going to pursue God? Are you going to what what are are you going to do? Because I don't care how well you feel like you're pursuing him right now. Pursue him more. Okay, start spending time with him every day, time in prayer, time in the word, start spending time in worship, start spending time with him in fasting and praying. How are you going to, how are you going to do this? What, how are you pursuing God? He's challenging us to to a greater pursuit of him. But then he he doesn't stop there Uh, because he is, he, he's talking about the Queen of Sheba and her pursuit. And then he moves into verse 32, where he talks about the men of Nineveh and says, The men of Nineveh uh, will rise up at the judgment with this generation, referring to the, the Pharisees that he's talking to, and condemn them. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So something greater than Solomon is worth even more pursuit than Solomon. And now here he's talking about response. He's talking about responding to something. And, and uh, honestly, the Ninevites have an incredible response to Jonah. Have this incredible response where they're going, jo- Jonah comes to them because honestly, like, I don't know if this message is any good or terrible or not, but I'll tell you guys what, it's better than Jonah's message. Jonah delivered the worst message of all time. And uh, so he goes, he has the wrong heart. He gets spat out by a fish, you know, on the, on the ground. And then he walks over into the city of Nineveh. And he pre- this is the message he preaches, okay? This is what he says. In 40 days, you're all going to die. <laughs> like, drop the mic and walk away, right? And 
And that's his message. He doesn't say, repent, the kingdom of, like, God's calling you. Like, he doesn't do any of that. That's his message. It is the worst message in the history of messages. And, and, and the people of Nineveh go, holy smokes, a Jewish prophet just came. I know the Jewish God. I know, I know what we're being, oh my goodness, we have to change. We have to respond. We have to repent. And they change their ways. And this is what it says. It says the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. They were so ready. And what Jesus is saying is, Pharisees, you think you're all holy. You think you're all great. Wow, congratulations how much time you spent in church. Congratulations, the family that you were born into. Congratulations about all the things that you think you're great at. But what you don't understand is that you are being out, you are being out pursued by the Queen of Sheba. You are being out, they are out responding you in Nineveh. And Nineveh was this incredible, sinful city that was looked down on for so many reasons. They were, they were wretched. They use prostitution and child sacrifice in worship regularly. This is a dark place, a terrible place. And, and he's saying, look at how they respond. Yet you, the son of man, is standing right before you and you can't see it. You're missing what's right in front of you. You are missing the pursuit. You are missing the response that is right in front of you. And, and this, is, this is what he's saying. And what I believe the message is today, that Jesus is worthy of so much more. Jesus is worthy of so much more. You see, if, if, if you look at prophetically what's going on here, Jesus, his fulfillment of the sign of Jonah is, is infinitely greater than Jonah's. His stature is so much higher than Solomon's. His wisdom is worthier of seeking. His message more convicting and more revolutionary than Jonah's. His authority higher than the greatest king. His prophecy is a deeper revelation. His actions more righteous. His miracles more astounding. His heart more humble. Is he not worthy of a response, people? Come on. Is he not worthy of a pursuit, of a greater pursuit? And God, I pray that we would pursue you according to what you are worth according to your worthiness i believe that that no matter where you are no matter where you are in life jesus is worthy of a greater pursuit if you feel like you are in the hardest worst season of your life jesus is worthy of the trust to pursue him jesus is worthy of a response and a submission if you feel like you relate most to the Ninevites in this story and you go, you don't understand, Pastor Drew, how like all that I've done. You don't understand my sinfulness. You don't understand the junk that I, that I live with and how I, how I operate in, in, in all the things that I've done. You don't get it. And you say, if that's the boat that you're in, Jesus is worth a response. The response that the Ninevites gave was a response of repentance. It's the response of, it's, it, it, it's the idea of, I am walking in this direction. And I'm pursuing my own desires. I'm pursuing the world. I'm pursuing myself. I'm pursuing all these things. And then suddenly I realize this revelation of Jesus. And I see how much more worthy he is. I see the purpose, the plan, the direction, the hope that he gives. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn. And I'm going to repent. And I'm going to turn 180 degrees. And now I'm not way over there. But I'm facing there. 
My spiritual compass is going in this direction instead of this direction. My, my spiritual velocity is pursuing Him now. And that's where I'm going. And that's this idea of repentance. And there's some of you this morning that need to get this same spirit of repentance and respond to Jesus with repentance and going, God, I've been pursuing this way my whole life or for this long. And what I need to do is I need to change direction. And there's some of you this morning that need to change your pursuits. Need to change your pursuit. And, 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 and you need to respond specifically by going, God, you are worth more. There are things that I'm pursuing in this life that are broken, that are partial, that are hollow, that are empty. And I need to pursue you because Jesus is worthy of a greater pursuit. We'll stand up. Everybody stand up. And what, what I want to do is... So this is why Jesus follows this up with the light, the illustration of the light. And he says, don't miss what's right in front of you. Don't miss what is right in front of you. And I pray that same thing over you guys. If God is calling you to a greater pursuit, if God is calling you to a greater response, if God is calling you to, 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 to give more of yourself to Him, don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this chance to respond to Him. Because He is worthy. What I want to do, I want to, I want to take some time to pray. And uh, as we pray... If you need to respond to this, I want you to come forward during the prayer. And everybody else, all the rest of us, we can have our eyes closed and our heads bowed. But, but, but those of you who need to respond can come on up. And in two different areas, if you need to respond with, I need to pursue God more. I need to, I, and then what I want you to do is I want you to come to the altar, but leave an area right here. Leave an area right here because this center part, I want for those who are saying, I need to respond I need to respond with a change of direction, with a change of heart. And, and, and I want to have the, the altar workers to be available here. And they're just going to guide you. And they're just going to talk with you just right here. The rest of us, I just want for us to, to pursue God. So I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, if you need to pursue God, if you need to respond in repentance, come on forward. And Jesus, Lord, I pray over every heart in this room, over every, all the eyes in this room, Lord, that you would open our eyes to seeing your light. And as they're coming forward and as they're responding to you, as they're pursuing you, God, I pray that they would encounter a revelation of your goodness, that they would encounter the goodness of God. And Lord, I pray, will you shift our hearts? Will you open our eyes to see who you are, what is standing directly in front of us? And may we not miss the opportunity to pursue you, to respond to you right now. God, we submit ourselves. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What we're going to do right now, we're just going to worship. We're just going to declare his worthiness. We're just going to declare about him. And I want everybody in this in this place to, to, to declare that Jesus is worthy.
start declaring, start giving everything. Give him a pursuit that is that is according to what he is worth. And everything that we have, and everything that we have, we're going to pursue harder than the Queen of Sheba. We're going to respond more more crazily than, than the Ninevites. In Jesus' name, I believe you are worthy, God. I believe you are worthy of a greater pursuit, of more halal, of more worship, of more praise, of something crazy or something bigger. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, come on. today. We exalt you, King Jesus, in this place. We pursue you. Church, can you say, I pursue you, Jesus. I pursue you. I choose to pursue you. God, thank you for the freedom of choice. Thank you that we have a choice to pursue you above everything else, oh God. Father, I pray for your people and I declare today, God, that we will pursue you as a church, that we will pursue you as an individual, that our response will be in accordance of who you are, with who you are, that our response will match who you are, the worthiness of your name, King Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for breaking chains. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds this morning, God. Bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can we give Pastor Drew a hand? Praise God. That was amazing. Great job. You know, 
I want to celebrate this young man because he's he's over here preaching Wednesday night to our students. That he's preparing for Sunday morning, putting countless hours for, of preparation, and then God using him as a vessel to speak directly to us. Thank you. Love you, brother. So I'm going to ask you this question. What are you pursuing?